Can I ask you something, sir? Sir? What's it like after? After? This misery ends. Hell or heaven, like San Francisco. A city. Good. I was worried it'd be a garden. I hate that shit. Hello, welcome to Pacino Pod. I'm Callie, and I'm joined with Jane who is uh, ever lovely and radiant. Hello, how are you? Um, I don't (laughs) feel radiant today, but I will take the compliment anyways. (laughs) I'm just feeling lovey today. I appreciate it. Your your love um, is always appreciated uh, in in the Pacino Pod studio. My bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, don't break the magic. They think we're in a big high... My production <laughs> studio right now. Our friend who like worked it with us at KJHK in college and uh, is still a friend of um, Pacino Pod Mac. Initially, he told me that I should put blankets up on the walls to like protect for sound or whatever, like so there's no echo. I was like, there's just only so much like silliness i can add to this room (laughs) before it gets out of control yeah we're 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 operating at a very no budget (laughs) these are my my squeaky goodwill chairs they're like twenty dollars together and that's uh what that noise is but um we're here to talk to you about angels in america episodes five and six the finale so if this is your first time listening um, and you haven't heard the first two parts, I would go back and listen to those first, or this, because this probably won't make any sense otherwise. Uh, this one is like Perestroika, like it's like everything exploding, whereas the the first half was called Millennium Approaches, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. I so. so in these episodes, so much crazy stuff happens. Like, I, it kind of felt like the first four were like build up. Mm-hmm. And then it just like goes. Out yeah, of the the first four are when you're fucking the angel, and the last, <laughs> the last episodes is the giant climax, and when you fall back into bed, and you're like, oh, I just had the best angel fuckings of my life. <laughs> I think it's so great that Meryl Streep's character Hannah finally gets to uh, have some fun. She seems like she's never had fun in her entire life, and she gets to fuck the angel, and then she's very flustered about it. Yeah, it seemed like uh, she had a very, very good time. Um, <laughs> I I like that uh, it seemed that she actually probably was lesbian because when she's talking to Pryor in the uh, in the Mormon Center, she, like where it wasn't the Mormon it was her son. No, she was talking to somebody in the. It was her son in the Mormon Center, and she was like, "I didn't, I didn't." Initially, you know, when he came out to her, he re- she reacted. Because uh, she thought it was the homosexuality that she disliked, but it was really because she hates men and can't uh, and doesn't <laughs> understand how how anyone could love a man. And yeah, by the end of the movie, she which is like it ends in the future. She's friends with <laughs> with with all the gay guys. <laughs> yeah, so, she's just hanging out with Pryor and Belize and Lewis. Yeah. Like they're like this like big happy family without Joe. I know, right? <laughs> Which is great. Like that's I don't know. Like I kind of love how it ends for Joe. Like miserable and alone. Like yeah, he yeah he basically like. His character kind of comes apart in the last two episodes. I think the one of the best scenes for me was when um, Lewis and him were on the beach, and like he was, ba- and like Lewis was basically like, "I need to see Pryor," and like what I did, like in abandoning him, is like eating me alive. And Joe's like, and he's like, asked Joe, he's like, "Well, how you did you did that to your wife? How are you like not?" And he's like, "I don't." He's like, "I sleep great. I sleep fine. I don't care. <laughs> it's like." I like he it's clear that he doesn't like for all his like nice guy put ons and stuff and all his like, you know, airs of respectability and stuff. He doesn't really have 
the same type of conscience that like Lewis does. And that, that that's proven again when like Lewis has this big confrontation with Joe after he finds out that Joe was like a, a protege under Roy Cohn that like he had authored all of these horrible like court decisions that were terrible for, for gay people. And like he had justifications for all of them. They were very, but he like, it's clear like he didn't actually have any remorse over any of those like he was like just he was concerned with like i love you lewis but he like didn't he wasn't really addressing any of the things that like lewis was saying yeah. it was just like very surface everything about him was very surface level that scene is so intense because then it like kind of erupts into violence even though lewis like seems to be the most like feeble person like i feel like prior could beat up lewis yeah. <laughs> even like as sickly as he is and like he comes at uh joe like kind of aggressively and joe just beats the absolute shit out of him even though he's so like kind of falling all over the place and yeah stuff. that scene yeah it's really yeah it's, it's a lot to deal you with you pretty much lose any sympathy for him especially after like you realize that his mom is really like trying to establish a relationship with him now and even at the very end when she's like the last time you see joe she's leaving the hospital and she's singing along with the uh carolers and he walks by she basically is like hey you know are you do you need me to make you something tonight and he's just like he's just kind of like uh don't wait up for me and leaves and it's just like oh this is like really more on him now at this point yeah like i think initially we were kind of like judged his mother harshly but then if you like really look at it like she moved to new york to be with him she like sold her house like she knew like whatever it was like that she needed to go be with her son and he just like so he's so like flippant with that whereas like so many of the characters like clearly like wish they could have a relationship with their families yeah where they could be open and their mom would still like rush to them you know and like he he just doesn't he doesn't care and like he doesn't care that his mom is also taking like full responsibility for his wife who's been missing like there's right. so much that joe is just like completely avoiding because he he just doesn't have like any emotional intelligence it seems like yeah he um yeah even even when he's like it, like I said, everything's very surface level. Even when he has that last conversation with um, with Harper, it's just very like, you know, she's like, she's like, I'm done with your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's that... like, give me your card. I, you know, I'm done. <laughs> that ending, I wanted to know what you thought about it. Do you think that Harper actually gets on an airplane? Or do you think that that's like... No, I think she does. I think, think that's so? her big, like, she's like no matter what happens in her life, she's kind of ready to move on at that point. I guess she has a lawyer's credit card. Yeah. That, I think that's the big thing. It's like <laughs> she has access to her ex's money for as long as she needs it. So <laughs> I was kind of surprised that he gave it to her. I think he's just kind of like, I think he just feels so guilty that he's just like, and he also, I think is in denial and he thinks that she'll like call it any second. So he's just like, well, I'd rather her be, like, missing with my money um, than, you know, eating trees in the park again. <laughs> I love that she gave him one of her pills, and she was like, take it with a big glass of water. Like, she says it like he's a little baby. <laughs> it was good. Let's get into the, uh, the Pacino, the final demise of Roy Cohn. Yeah, he's a piece of shit until the very end. <laughs> but they, um... They kind of subvert that, that even even his piece of shitness still ended up serving a, pur a greater purpose for the community with, like, when um, Belize and Lewis uh, take the rest of his leftover AZT medications, which kind of implies that that's, like, partially why um, Pryor is able to survive. <laughs> yeah, um, because at the end it's 1985 and it's mm -hmm. been... Or is it 1990? It's at the end. It's 1990. It's like so. It's been five years. It's five right? years after. Yeah, and and prior still doing well. So yeah, I I didn't really like put that together that that was like the greater purpose. But I mean, I loved the whole, the whole scene where Lilius calls over Lewis because there's only so much time to like get the AZT out without people noticing. 
and that like Lewis has to be the drug mule. Yeah. <laughs> him saying uh, uh, Kaddish is what the mm-hmm. the prayer, the Hebrew prayer for the dead is called. That whole thing was like a really moving scene, I thought. That like Lewis couldn't do it and then the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg yeah. helps him say it like Yeah, it that's was very it, it was very it was very um it was a very beautiful scene. <laughs> Oliver's <laughs> Oliver's putting his face right against the mic right now. <laughs> he he wants to be a star and Yeah, every time get that your own podcast. Every time we record, Oliver Oliver is the uh, third member of Pacino Pod at this point. The silent yeah, he's our producer. <laughs> he's obsessed with Jane, honestly. Yeah, well he knows when I'm here he'll get lots of pets. So. Yeah. <laughs> He always just like wants to lick the fuck out of you, though. I mean, Aww. he's he's a licker, but like, there's something about you that's extra tasty. I know. I don't know why. Maybe it's You're maybe salty. I'm salty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, did he bite you? Uh, almost, but no, he didn't. I liked that last scene where like, where it looks like that Roy Cohn is like delirious and calling out for his mom. And, like, he gets, he, like, manipulates the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg to, like, sing to him. And then he's like, fuck you, I was kidding, and then dies. <laughs> it's just like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> that was so good. And, like, I think many other actors wouldn't be able to, like, pull off something like that. Yeah. It would have to be somebody who is, like, as over the top as Al Pacino to yeah. pull something like that off. I think that that's, like, another scene where I'm like this is like this is really funny and I think like it being on stage would make it like that much more funny because like everybody being in the same room that's like something I definitely think about whenever we watch uh adaptations from like stage plays I'm like man which we've done a lot on this and we'll continue because I'm pretty sure next week is Merchant of Venice Venice. Pacino just misses the stage. I mean, I guess that's what he did during his four years off. He just, like, went back and did plays, so... Yeah, I think that's what he's, like... That's his true love is is stage acting, but he knows that, like, movies are what pays the bills, so he... I think he just tries to uh, shoehorn in as many, like, film adaptations of plays as possible when he's And then he's, like, they'll they'll let me do the play, like, in London, like, whenever they, like do like whenever they open a new show like i'll get to like guest star yeah or, or like or like yeah or like when he when they did the revival of glenn gary glenn ross and he played uh, jack lemon's character instead of his roma character from the original film i would have loved to have seen that he looks so sad in all those photos of him on stage <laughs> i know they just were like let's give him a suit three sizes too big for him (laughs) just to make him look frumpy as hell well speaking of like Pacino and Streep the reason I mentioned to you that I watched that John Cazale documentary is because I realized that like we've talked so much about John Cazale and Meryl Streep and Pacino like already and we hadn't really like brought up this is the first time that Meryl Streep and Pacino are working together yeah and like very very intimately with the Ethel Rosenberg Roy Cohn connection yeah it's 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 kind of it kind of adds another layer of like levity to the whole thing when you realize that that whole connection there yeah I was I mean like whenever I kind of realized that myself I was like wow this is a story largely about Pryor and Lewis and the whole act of staying with someone in sickness and in health you know Mm -hmm. and like whether or not you can really deal with that when it comes down to it and Meryl Streep was only like 28 whenever John Cazale got sick and in the documentary (laughs) Pacino was talking about like how he he doesn't really you know like he like said something kind of vague about relationships or whatever but he was like when I saw that girl taking care of John, you know, like at the end, like that was it for me. Like I know that that's what love looks like. Aww. And I was like, oh my god. I know. Yeah, that that documentary was was really interesting uh, hearing about John Cazale and like w- how much people loved him and what everybody was willing to do for him like at the end of his life. Like he wanted to be on Deer Hunter a lot, but the studio couldn't insure him because he was so sick. And Robert De Niro paid for his insurance like for the rest of the movie even knowing that he might lose all that money if John died and they had to recast Mm -hmm. so 
And, like, he, like, didn't say a word about it. Like, Meryl Streep was talking about how she didn't realize that until the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And it was kind of, like, a suspicion. And then she finally asked him. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know. Like, you know, said something kind of, like, him hot around it, like Robert De Niro would. And, yeah, so that was just really sweet. And I know that, like, Meryl Streep only auditioned for a role in Deer Hunter so that she could be close to him towards the end. So it seemed like everybody just loved him a lot but I mean like the fact that that's such a big theme of angels in America is like caring for someone till the end and what it looks like for the people that do and like I mean Lewis does come back but it's very <laughs> yeah I don't know even prior at the end of the says no he's like no <laughs> you can't come back yeah I was really surprised by that actually uh I, I knew that prior was mad but I didn't know that he was like mad enough to I mean if if you think about it from his perspective, it's like, and he even mentions it. He's like, everyone that he knew had someone there to take care of him. And yeah. when it was time for Lewis to step up, he just said, fuck it and ran away. And Pryor had to suffer. Alone. He didn't even say goodbye. Yeah, he didn't say good. Like, he told the nurse to tell him goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, Pryor ended up making a recovery. But like, is this somebody that you want to, be around like in i mean maybe he could like obviously it looked like he could still be around him in like friendship way because i think i you know because they're still you know hanging out in 1990 but i don't i wouldn't want to i would not want to be romantically involved with someone that did that to me because that's just like that's a huge betrayal of trust right there i think i could understand someone like not being able to deal and like running away and coming back what i think is not okay is that he had like a whole relationship in the meantime yeah like with some awful person like the well the Lees, as he puts it roy Cohn's butt boy yeah even even though even though i did roy, roy and joe didn't do anything it, maybe they did off camera but not in the in the script of film film itself they didn't do anything but yeah that was a little vague like there was that weird uh scene where joe's like i love you roy and, like, yeah. Roy's like, oh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be loved. Like, he, like, just doesn't care. But I couldn't tell if that was, like, a, like, mentor-mentee See, that's love. that's how I took it. I mean, the only... him just trying to, like, prove, like, that he cares. Yeah. You know? The only time that, like, it got to where it seemed like that could be was when they were in the bar together and, like, Roy was touching all over him in a very, like, intimate way that would, like, look beyond... It look, It looked like he was, like... I would like to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was just like a, a work flirt. Yeah. Sort I, of situation. Yeah. I, I don't think. Cause I, I'm pretty sure the first person that Joe ever was with was with Lewis. Yeah. And that makes more sense to how that whole thing plays out. And Lewis calling him a gay virgin. And... Yeah. And how he like is head over heels for Lewis, despite like only knowing him for a few weeks and like them not, not being not compatible. compatible in any way shape or form <laughs> which is like yeah that's like it's very like it's a very um first relationship like real relationship reaction like i mean that's kind of how like that's how i would get over some like somebody i dated in high school for a month and like when it didn't work out and be like oh, i'm never gonna find love again <laughs> even though i only knew this person for a few i was only dated this person for a few weeks this whole like interaction reminded me of like uh somebody i dated for just like a few weeks after i like had broken up with somebody kind of similar yeah and we had like very differing political views enough that that was what ended it like he told yeah. me he was voting for gary johnson oh. and I, like never talked to him again <laughs> like and i think that that's kind of like the lack of like emotional intelligence that he shows is that like lewis is like we're really different you know like i don't think that this is like a love connection like yeah i think, it's I think clear... we're just kind of each other's rebound right now <laughs> or at least yeah. that's how what lewis would prefer it to be and joe's like no i left my wife for you you're my you're my one true love lewis i have a ring <laughs> i love you i'm gonna strip naked on the beach to prove my love for you it's like don't do that <laughs> <laughs> no one's asking you to do that <laughs> oh my god that scene was great though because he was talking about his his like Mormon underwear. Yeah. Like, I guess they call that his their second skin. skin yeah. yeah, their second skin. Which I mean, I learned so much about the like Book of Mormon through this. Yeah. Play. Um, I didn't realize how much strong, like how much uh, 
Mormon imagery and Mormon connections there'd be in this um, starting out. But I don't know. It was interesting. I like the whole um, scene in the visitor center with Harper um, and, and the, the statues. Woman yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Like drawing, uh, like all the characters, like religious backgrounds into this story that's like filled with like angels and stuff yeah i thought that was interesting especially like from the jewish perspective yeah that's that's the thing it's like no one in this i mean yeah mormonism is a sect of christianity but no one is this like the like standard protestant like evangelical form of of christianity um yeah prior says that he's like a wasp but like obviously he's not like super prior prior is not yeah prior is just like you know he's like whatever about it and like lewis is like lewis is jewish but not not he's like a secular uh jew he's not like someone who's there like who like as you can see as he's him talking to the rabbi at the beginning and he's like if you like i can't absolve you of your sins that's not how this works i love meryl streep as that rabbi like the more i've like sat on that character and that whole interaction like it's so quotable what she says to him and like the way she says it is so like epitome of like an old New York rabbi, like how he would be like kind of mean to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Like Roy Cohn obviously is not a religious person. <laughs> and we talked about before, you know, he's, he very actively despised his Jewish background and tried to downplay it as much as po- the real Roy Cohn yeah. did. And, and he like went after a lot of Jewish people as well. Yeah, I think that was that was scare. I think that was another like connection with with that Ethel Rosenberg character and him. <laughs> so there's another documentary that's like a little bit harder to get a hold of about Roy Cohn that is made by the granddaughter of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Oh my god, I bet that is interesting. Watch. <laughs> I like cannot wait to watch it, but I was reading about it and it's like definitely from like a very trying to understand why he was so awful like it's a very like sympathetic look at like how his parents were and like Mm -hmm. how they were like abusive and his mom like was very like hard on him and expected too much like they kind of touch on that just slightly in the miniseries like he talks about how his mom made him get surgery as like a toddler even though it would like scarred him for life like he never was able to like regrow skin on his nose yeah yeah like Like the doctor was like he'll grow out of it but his mom's like nope we gotta fix that right now (laughs) yeah with this awful surgery (laughs) (laughs) i would never just do like cosmetic surgery on a baby no why would you do that that's horrifying or like really on any like age like if it was like my child i'd be like you can be fucked up looking if you want like it's up to you (laughs) like and it's it didn't sound like it was something that you could even notice it was just something she herself fixated on which lends the idea that she probably fixated fixated on a lot of things that could have been like about him you know right so i don't know that sounds really interesting but yeah i think the like the spirituality of the Jewishness of this is really interesting. Like we were just talking about it at Liberty Hall that there June is or May or June is like Jewish um, uh, Jewish American Film Month. Really? Or something. Yeah. <laughs> we we go through like the the monthly like themes mm-hmm. and uh we were like are we going to be able to come up with enough things that aren't just Woody Allen movies? Yeah, and I, at this point I would not put a single <laughs> yeah and we were like we don't want to so i was like well mel brooks we have like a lot of mel brooks and stuff but i was like we can put in angels in america like there's not that really that many things that have like a strong like jewish spiritual theme like yeah seth rogan just came out with like american pickle <laughs> and that was really cute like it had like some like old country like yeah. religious themes and stuff you could like... put out eight crazy nights <laughs> <laughs> I said uncut gems. I was like, we have to put uncut. No, gems. that actually, that actually could work. That is like pretty. Yeah. yeah, that like I mean, there are a lot of films and things out there that are not. Driving really... Miss Daisy is technically like a Jewish film. I don't know if I'd put that movie. Out, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that movie's got kind of some controversial. Um, oh yeah. In a themes that don't hold up well now i don't think (laughs) yeah it's probably like really like offensively like uh, on the jewish character like it's probably like really like stereotypical too yeah and i think just like 
I don't know. I remember when Green Book won Best Picture, people were like, oh, this is just another Driving Miss Daisy situation. Oh, of... my God. Did you know about how, what Spike Lee did whenever Green Book won? What did he do? He, like, stood up and tried to leave. <laughs> and they wouldn't let him. They, like, forced Spike Lee to stay inside the, like, Academy Awards building. Good for him. And then he just went back to his seat and, like, faced away from the stage. And I noticed... Uh, this year, coincidentally, Five Bloods only nominated for, like, something about the score or, like, the sound or yeah. something. And I was like, huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe they were like, they're like, uh, we can only, um, I know Chadwick Boseman had a, like, you know, he, he just passed away and he had a really good performance in the Five Bloods, but we're gonna... Do Ma Rainey's Black Bottom And instead. just ignore this one. Because <laughs> yeah. cause we're mad at Spike Lee for shitting on Green Book, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, no, did anybody like that movie? Like, other than um, my parents? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's the uh, demographic. that uh, White people that want to feel good about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Green Book. Which is, I think, is why Spike Lee was so vehemently against that movie yeah and so pissed that he like lost out and and also that movie um is pretty inaccurate apparently the real family like got mad about it (laughs) said that like this isn't actually what happened (laughs) so yeah well i'm on spike lee's side yeah me too i mean spike lee great director i will i will pick the guy who made malcolm x over uh green book <laughs> yeah, anyway. I don't know how I got off. Oh, tangent. we were talking about just uh representation in film and you mentioned oh, driving yeah. Miss Daisy and then I was oh. like, I don't know if that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we were talking about like Jewish spirituality in film. Yeah. yeah, the the scene with them praying over Roy Cohn that's pretty moving because it's like a character that they all hate. Ethel Rosenberg probably has the most reason in the story to hate him like he yeah he literally caused her death (laughs) he he like screams multiple times in the story that he would have flipped the switch himself yeah and it's like that's so he like had so much like hate for her for no reason and like so for for her character to like still care that his soul goes somewhere like yeah that was sweet also like lewis just uses a napkin to cover his head and i thought that was just such a cute little detail like (laughs) This this film has like a, or not film this miniseries. I mean, it, this it, work. It, it is. It's a. I'm fine. It, you could watch the whole thing as a film. I think if you just yeah. take out the, if you remove the opening credits sequence, from each episode, you could watch this as a single film. If you had enough time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this piece I think is just so well written and like has so many like small touches that i think really make it like i don't know if that's necessarily like tony kushner or like you know the director yeah but i uh, i really enjoyed it all yeah no i like um like i said i cried i had to space <laughs> you out sent me my... a picture of you crying yeah yeah i this move this uh series made me cry like basically every episode so <laughs> yeah has any other thing that we've done for the podcast made you cry full-on tears i don't think so i think i cried you cried at injustice for all i almost did i think i te- i think i was like close to tearing up right whenever yeah, yeah whenever yeah. he uh, realizes that his client has has uh, yeah. passed away yeah that made me cry and in revolution yeah i cried at the end i think i was just going through something though oh yeah i remember that was a bit that's a that was a, we've talked about that several times how like how you cried at revolution <laughs> and then like emphatically like explained it to your mom <laughs> <laughs> like during the panic attack yeah. I was like, you don't understand like it was a happy moment but it was also sad yeah. like i was she was like, I understand that happy moments can be sad. And I was like, no, you don't get it. You don't understand, Mom. <laughs> it's a revolution. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think besides those two that much has made me cry since then. Like, not, I don't know. I feel like it's not hard to get me to cry. Like, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, um, it used to not, it used, I used to cry a lot easier, but um, my 
Prozac makes it difficult. So if it's something if Prozac, you say? Yeah. <laughs> so if something uh, does actually make me cry, then it's probably a good indication that it's uh, very moving. <laughs> I think like lately I've been better about like not crying for just like any old TV show yeah. <laughs> or, or movie or something. But like this is definitely something that'll get you. Also, something that made me kind of tear up was prior whenever he finally he gets to like go to heaven and then he asks for more time even though they're like it's not gonna get better and it's like everybody that he loves but they're angels it's like a very sweet scene where like lewis is an angel but he just has a beard that's all that's different about him. and he has sunglasses on yeah that's like all that's different about him and stuff and everybody's like you know it's not really like you could have a lot better time if you just stayed here like where yeah. where your hair looks good and where you're beautiful, you know. <laughs> like yeah. anytime Pryor's like any got anything to do with the angels, they make his hair look a million times yeah. better. But and he like chooses to go and have more time on Earth or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I thought that that was like touching that he care like he still like had that in him to like want yeah. to go back. Yeah, like he's you know he with as much suffering as he went through, he's still like. He still wanted to be be alive. I will say on a side note that I didn't find Lewis attractive until he had a beard. <laughs> I was like, this is the, that was the first time I was like, okay, I can see how how he's attractive. Beard helps. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think he's he's cute. It's probably like mostly the character that we oh, can't yeah. stand. Yeah, like for maybe sure. if he was cooler. Yeah, not like saying like kind of like subvertly like racist things yeah yeah and it's like <laughs> he's like which makes it even like when he was like like when he was like trying to be like well you only dislike me because you're clearly in and love with prior and uh and he picked me and he's like no it's because you're fucking he's like no it's because you're a piece of shit and you're racist <laughs> that's why i don't like you it's like i love prior but not in that way i just think you're a piece of shit <laughs> yeah belize is just the best oh like... he's the best character in the whole in the whole thing He's so well-written, and, like, the way he interacts with people... Like, Jeffrey Wright does such a good job. I mean, like, obviously some of it's the portrayal, but... Yeah. Like, like also the fact that Jeffrey Wright is straight, like, boggles my mind, because he does such a good job of, like, not overdoing anything and, like, being, like, very, like, subtly feminine, but also, like, a very strong character. Like, he just yeah, very three job. Yeah, very three-dimensional, not, like, he's not playing it, like, like a stereotype... Um, what was that Andrew Garfield uh, quote that you found? Oh my god! Like, it was something like like someone asked like Andrew Garfield about like if he ever found like like if like if he was gay or something. It was something related to that, and he was like, Andrew Garfield is straight right now unless his body like tells him otherwise. Which it was just so stupid. It I remember was you like... paraphrasing it as like, he's, gar- he's uh, straight unless he's horny. Yes, he's straight unless he's horny is basically what he was saying. It's what like, does that mean? It's like, okay, Andrew. That's so funny. <laughs> unless your body tells you otherwise. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> your brain has nothing to do with yeah. it. Like, he's like, I don't know. That's so funny. I think yeah. he just was like, I need an excuse to like have it okay that i'm playing all these gay characters yeah which you know i think did we talk about like how he played a trans character in an arcade fire video and people were like really pissed about because i know we mentioned that andrew garfield was prior in a production of angels in america like fairly recent production which Um, i thought he yeah overdid the uh yeah buoyancy for sure and i remembered that that um Arcade Fire put out a video for their song, We Exist, um, and Andrew Garfield plays this trans woman who's persecuted in the video, and a lot of people were pissed, including, like, music, other musicians, like, trans musicians, um, like, Laura Jane Grace from Against Me, were, like, you know, it just, like, there are plenty of trans act- actors and actresses out there, uh, and yet we get spider, like, spider-man <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah they kind of always choose those for like the big roles like uh Ed- eddie redman oh, whenever he yeah danish, girl, danish girl is a girl. horrible movie 
don't even get me started about that <laughs> film. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, set off more tangents. But yeah, that's just like, it's it's like more about like getting like a big name or something. Right. It's like, instead of what it's would, like, I, like no what... trans girls are going to ever get to be a big name if you just keep using Andrew Garfield. Like Right. Andrew Garfield and fucking Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto, piece of shit. <laughs> We're gonna have to watch. We're gonna have to look at him eventually. What movie did he do with Pacino? He's currently doing House of Gucci. Oh, I fucking forgot about that. Oh my god. Well, at least that'll be a long. That's a long ways off. <laughs> Patricia Gucci uh, hates that Al Pacino is playing her grandfather. Oh no. <laughs> she thinks he's too old and fat. She, like, said some awful things about Al Pacino. She was like, my grandfather, he was tall and handsome. Like, I was like, okay. Like. Calm down. Calm down. That's <laughs> your grandpa. And then she's like, look at Al Pacino in this picture. Like, he has, like, these awful sideburns and he looks fat and short. And, like, she's like, that's not how my grandpa looked. And I was just like, why would you do Al Pacino like that? Like, he, he looks fine. He's 81 as of. Last Sunday, happy birthday! Oh Al. yeah, it, we that that's another yeah. It was Al Pacino's birthday on Oscar night, um, and also um, the on cinema Oscar special was like very Al Pacino oriented <laughs> because unexpected. I was not expecting that. Um, yeah, I was like like cause Callie was um, watching the Oscars at Liberty, and so I was just like messaging her throughout like another another Al Pacino tribute. <laughs> And there were just like these horrible videos of just these like like horrible out of context like clips and stuff and it was so but they did they did use the clip from um when he gets slapped in cruising with the with the cop in the thong. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, um yeah. Um <laughs> all of the uh yeah, if you're uh, into um comedy and Al Pacino I would recommend watching the uh, the eighth annual on cinema Oscar special. <laughs> what, which also a friend of the show, uh, former guest Vera Drew, um, worked on a part of that as well. So that would be awesome. extra incentive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to watch that. You were sending me videos, and it looked so good. Yeah, it, it seemed like they made that for, like for us or something. I know, no, that's like, what. Who uh, else is this for? <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, the whole time I was watching this, I was like, this is like a hundred percent like what I would do if I was like <laughs> writing this special. <laughs> and they brought out a cake, a birthday cake for Al Pacino, in the picture on the cake. It's the same picture that um, our, our the artist uh, Rabidia did for uh, used as a sample for our profile picture. Oh, yeah. um, oh but the fu- the funniest like Al Pacino moment though was when when Tim brought out this letter because he was like, "I got some news. We invited Al to come on for his birthday." And he read, he read this like form letter from the publicist, like, we're very sorry that Al Pacino couldn't make it to your like tribute to him, but we hope you have. A good day. It was just like this total form letter of a publicist, but they're acting like it's this huge accomplishment. That's good. Oh my god. I uh, joked to my coworkers like after I left the party, I was like, "Thank you for throwing a party for Al Pacino. Like, I really appreciated it." That was that was a wild, a wild party at the Liberty Hall Oscars. There was seven people. <laughs> seven people. Did you um? Did anybody put in a? guesses of what they thought would win my coworker john uh had a complete ballot of like what he expected to win and he would like scream you know positively or negatively if something won uh so that was kind of funny i i really only cared about uh the best actor uh like best picture of course and then best uh documentary because i watched a lot of the the contenders oh yeah and I really liked my octopus teacher, which that's what ended up winning. But it was, I don't know. I was like a little tipsy. And the dude who won, like the documentarian who is like in the documentary and like mm-hmm. talks over it. And like, he's like very like much inserted himself, like a la Werner Herzog, you know, Say, yeah. saying weird shit. 
over some footage like that's the type of <laughs> oh I but would, i love the i, I love, would hate to be that type of documentary i love that's my favorite i really? love i love Werner herzog movies oh I, I mean i like Werner herzog but i just like you don't like that type that i'm kind type. of like who's this guy like why is he here oh yeah you don't you, you're not a fan of like the kinds when directors make themselves like a kind of a character in this in the film not really because i'm i'm Unless it's, like, necessary. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I kind of feel like he, like, didn't really add anything. But what's funny, he didn't thank the octopus in his speech. And I was like, there would be no movie With- without this girl. You know what I mean? She gave up everything for you. What an ass. What an asshole. Um, yeah, no, I... <laughs> yeah, I, uh... I've watched Grizzly Man. I'm on a date before I made <laughs> my date watch Grizzly Man. What the fuck? <laughs> And I forgot that they actually, like, there was, like, real pictures and stuff shown. Oh, and I yeah. apologized. I was like, I forgot that they actually showed this. Second episode. day? Yeah, I think so. it was second or third, I think. No, uh, but, like, was there another day after Grizzly um, Man? Or were they, there like, was... we should hang out sometime? I think, like, she wanted to, but I wasn't really feeling oh, okay. it. But it wasn't because of Grizzly Man. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, like, worst dates I've ever been on, I went uh, to watch a movie with this guy and his friends, and they put on I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, no. That's a whole... A first date? First date. Why the fuck would you watch that on a first date? <laughs> Why would you watch it at all, first of all? I mean... Then, like, with a group of friends, and a bring a girl that you like. Like, all of these choices... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, there are, there, I've never seen it. I know it's, like, a rape revenge film, and there's, like, and there are, like, there are criticisms I've heard, like, in favor of for it in, like, some regards, but, like, I would not show that to a person on a first date, nor would I watch that movie probably in a group of people (laughs) well so like i i don't mind like the like the subject matter like i really love promising young woman which it also won some oscars you should watch that movie um so like the whole like revenge part doesn't like bother me but like they spent like so much time on the rapes like too much time it was like one of those things that like i don't know i feel like we had film professors where they were like this is one of the first movies that showed a rape isn't that interesting and it's like not really like i I mean like i guess like i i had to watch like the virgin spring which is like a bergman film and it was the first film that depicted like sexual assault or whatever and i was like is this the part of film history that i need to learn you know and spit yeah. on your grave is like a 70s like it's an exploitation yeah. film you know yeah like i said i know i know i i know the arguments uh against i'm very like i have it's yeah I, I just went and hung out in the kitchen yeah. at that guy's, the random person's house that I was at. And then uh, the guy that I was hanging out with was like, are you not having a good time? Like, what do you think? What you... I was like, no, I'm not having a good time. Can we leave? And then we got to leave. So, I mean, I love it. Like, I'm definitely going to like watch it again someday. Like, yeah, there's not that many of these things where I've been like, I'm going to watch this again for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I loved it. <laughs> highly recommend tracking it down i don't like we only barely scratched the surface of it i definitely recommend watching it for yourself it's a beautiful piece of writing and they adapted it into a beautiful piece of cinema as well yes <laughs> on it i did want to mention though about the about the oscar special there was one moment that made me think um <laughs> because you, you, i you've only seen a little i've made you watch a few episodes of the first like season it, yeah. um you know the the greg turkington person on the show yeah i thought that that was um like wait is it tim and eric is like the original tim and eric is a complete they're like they do like adult swim stuff that like greg is a he's a he like is more famous for doing um this like comedian this character neil hamburger who's like like intentionally a terrible like but now he opinion. does stuff with Tim Heidecker yeah, right? they, yeah so I think that I used to think that he was Eric oh okay. like I was like Eric just looks different now <laughs> <laughs> yeah no a completely different person um but uh there's a moment in the special the whole thing between him and Tim is that like he's like constantly pissed at Tim 
for not Duke talking enough about movies. Like he, cause Tim is like, he's con- <laughs> he's like, if you watch the Oscar special, it looks like a Fox news setup. Like it's like, like he's like talking about like finance and so like all terribly, <laughs> like very poorly, like has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. But Greg's like, Greg wants to keep it about movies. But when <laughs> Greg is really pissed about all the Al Pacino stuff, um, and Tim calls him out. I was like, well, you don't like Al Pacino? Like, cause it's obvious. Like, yeah. Or like when Tim's finally talking about movie stuff and Greg like goes off on how, like, he's like, I don't actually think that Al Pacino cares about movies. Cause he's turned down all of these films, uh, which if you were a true m- movie buff, you wouldn't do. He turned down Kramer versus Kramer. He turned down star Wars. He turned, <laughs> he's just like listing off all these movies, but Chino turned down. And I was just like, I can't, I hate Greg. Nope. Nope. Fuck you. If you hate Pacino <laughs> This is a, <laughs> I'm a Tim head for life now. <laughs> yeah. And if you're interested in hearing uh, why Pacino didn't want to do Kramer versus Kramer, you can listen to our Injustice for All episode. Exactly. That, that's what made me think of it. Because as soon as he said he turned down Kramer versus Kramer, I was like, we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered it. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, that's what I was thinking about as well with like, Meryl Streep being in this, I was thinking about Kramer versus Kramer. I still think it was the right choice. You know? Yeah. Fuck it. And yeah. Injustice for, for All is a better film. I haven't seen Kramer versus Kramer from, from, but from everything you've told me, I I also agree. And there also was another connection to an episode that we've done. Greg brought a giant poster of City Hall with him, and oh, there's a post there's a poster of City Hall in the in the set for like half the special. <laughs> Just like overhanging everything, just completely out of place. <laughs> like that's the one Al Pacino movie you're gonna rep is City Hall. <laughs> He's on, is it just Pacino on the cover? Is it's it Pac- it's Cusack? it's like yeah, it's Pacino, Cusack, and um, who was the actress in that? God, I, don't fucking I feel remember. like there was barely even women in that. <laughs> yeah, movie. there was just that one that one um cute John Cusack's character's like yeah, love, love interest. interest slash like obstacle. Right. Fucking horrible movie. I'm sorry. City Hall. And the more the more weak space we get from it, the more I, I'm just like that movie sucks. <laughs> have Have there been any of the like past movies? I don't know why I'm like interviewing you now, but like any of the movies that we watched that you're like feeling like, oh yeah, I could watch that again now. Ooh. Cruising, obviously. Yeah, I've been like, I could watch uh, Cruising like once a week. I yeah, think. I could watch Cruising again. Um, trying to think of other ones I'd, i wouldn't mind re-watching um honestly i'd probably like i would i would probably sit down and watch godfather part two again um even though as long as it is just i mean i've seen godfather like four times so i probably wouldn't want it to sit down with that one anytime soon but i would watch two again um I'm sure there's some other ones <laughs> I think I Injustice for All is something that I could watch like pretty yeah, regularly. I think like, that's the one you've like, seen. The, about it. I think you've seen that one the most out of all yeah, of them. I watched it like three times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cruising and yeah, we kind of had the same choices for the yeah. other ones. But I watched Local Stigmatic again. I think. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, Chinese Coffee. I actually probably would watch that again. There was a Chinese Coffee clip. In, no way. in the Oscar special. That was the most surprising thing. Like, all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, there was a Chinese coffee clip where he's like, give me my, where, I need my money or whatever. I was just like, what? <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, this person must listen to our podcast because why the fuck else would you use a Chinese coffee clip? Because <laughs> nobody knows that movie. <laughs> I mean, there. Are, I guess there have to be a few other Pacino scholars out Oh, I'm there. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> and, I, 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 and, and Vera wasn't even the person who edited the Pacino parts too because I was like well maybe it was Vera who did those because that would make sense because she was on Devil's Advocate episode the Devil's Advocate episode but uh, there's a few people on Twitter that we follow where I'm like oh like you love Pacino like Uh this is this is like a whole different like ball game like you have like every gif of him saved like they know (laughs) like every role like your director like they could like like cite it like it's like you know a source like yeah there's some people that are like know much more than like we'll ever like hope to know <laughs> about Al which um yeah and we still don't know everything because we still haven't seen every film of his for as long as we've been doing this almost a year now 
I'll have to look up the exact date of when the first episode dropped, but I think it was like at the end of May. This was definitely year. like contrived, at least around this time. Yeah, last I think year. we might have even had recorded the last episode. <laughs> yeah, we might have. Because it was like around this time last year that I like fully lost my job. Yeah. Yeah, that's when, because um, we God, had. God, I miss those days. We had uh, been talking about it for a while, but that was finally when. And I was always. I was just at home all the time because the library was closed at that point um so yeah that's why we started i miss being unemployed yeah <laughs> donate to our patreon donate to our page speaking of that uh the shout out to our one one pacino pal donating the, the five dollar level uh, matt lusansky uh there will will we are forthcoming with uh, more content soon the train spotting episode will be i'm finally gonna watch it I have time set aside this week to watch it. We'll do the special bonus episode so excited. and get the ball rolling on that end. Um, so yeah, it's going to change your life, Jane. I am excited. Uh, Callie's been—it's been almost a year since we had a conversation about how I hadn't seen Train Spotting, and now, almost a year later, I'm going to finally watch it. So. <laughs> that's your version of The Godfather. That's my yeah. That's my version of The Godfather. There's been a lot of movies that I probably should have seen i've never seen citizen kane uh, <laughs> yeah we both have film fuck degrees it. yeah fuck it uh, i've seen paddington too though which recently <laughs> overtook citizen kane on rotten tomatoes so <laughs> uh, i was looking at like different nominations for uh best animated feature because we had a lot of the animated uh shorts at right. liberty hall and sean the sheep farmageddon was nominated for an Oscar this year. I don't know if it won. It might have won. Oh. I, I didn't look up the winner. Um, yeah. It should have been Scoob. Scoob should have won Best Scoob wasn't even nominated. No nominations for Scoob this year. That's the biggest wow. snubbed film of 2020. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And as far as plugs go, um, I don't know if you, if you are on Twitter. You may have saw that uh we participated um with a friend of the podcast uh, we need to talk about kevin's offshoot mathow may um where we talked about the taking of pelham one two three um i don't know if that that episode either will be one of the ones that isn't uh, it'll what? either it'll either be not not is it but it'll either be uh free or it'll be behind the patreon i don't know yet which uh which designation we're we're getting for our episode but we but we both had a lot of fun uh, we spot with trevor and valerie and uh so that'll be down the pipeline soon Grand all time yeah so you can follow me on twitter at static blue bat and follow callie at callie bud and the podcast at Pacino underscore pod. Um, listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple. Give us five stars. Leave us a review. Become a pal on Patreon. Or donate a dollar. Or just, we'll be friends with you. We'll, you know, if, even if you... Just you, add us on just, Twitter. Just, 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 we'll be friends with you. Just, don't worry. We're, we're, your, we're your best friends. 